Today on Spiritual Awakening Radio, an introduction to the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Thomas and initiation into the mysteries of the Kingdom of Heaven. The mystery of saying 17, I will give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard. I'll share with you a passage from the mystical theology of Dionysus about initiation. You'll hear about the third eye center, the single eye, from the spiritual discourses of Kripal Singh from his book Morning Talks, a section titled The Single Eye or The Third Eye. Also about initiation, another spiritual discourse from Kripal Singh's book Spiritual Elixir. I'll provide a brief introduction to the Gospel of Thomas, describe what the Gospel of Thomas is, and share with you my latest research and reflections about the meaning of the Gospel of Thomas. And one of the most significant aspects of the Gospel of Thomas saga that others have not called much attention to, but I find to be very significant, and we'll share with you about that on today's program. You'll hear quotes from many different ancient texts, East and West, and our focus is going to be primarily on initiation, being initiated into the mysteries of the kingdom of the heavens, to see what the eye typically does not see and hear with spiritual hearing what human ears don't typically hear the mysteries of the kingdom of the heavens. The empire never ended and neither did the gnosis. Initiation in the ancient world right through till 2020 in the contemporary world. Today on Spiritual Awakening Radio. Introduction to the Gospel of Thomas and Initiation, What the Eye Has Not Seen and the Ear Has Not Heard, the latest research and reflections, and some satsang discourses from Kripal Singh on the third eye and initiation. The Gospel of Thomas was discovered in the month of December 1945, along with 49 other texts, now referred to as the Nag Hammadi Library named after the nearby village of Nag Hammadi in Upper Egypt. It is believed that during the 4th century, these books were removed from a monastic library at a nearby Pacomian monastery, a place where ancient manuscripts were copied from the Greek language into Coptic, the language of Egyptian Christianity. About a mile and a half away from the discovery site of the Gospel of Thomas and the other Nag Hammadi texts was a Pacomian monastery, a monastery, an intentional monastic community founded by St. Pacomius that operated during the 4th century. These books were removed from the library and placed into a clay storage jar near some caves where monks once hung out and spent time in prayer and meditation a significant special place for some. And they were in the ground. They remained buried underground for 1,700 years until during the month of December 1945, Muhammad Ali al-Saman and his brothers went out to dig for a very rich form of fertilizer, a very rich soil that accumulates near the Nile River. And they found this clay storage jar and took it home, and eventually these writings worked their way into the world of scholars and academic sources. They got translated. The first book to be translated into English was the Gospel of Thomas. I have a first edition copy of an English-language translation of the Gospel of Thomas, published in 1959. The rest of the books were published in 1978 in a book called The Nag Hammadi Library in English, edited by James M. Robinson, published by HarperCollins at the time, 1978. The Gospel of Thomas is a collection of sayings and parables of Jesus, 
That's it, unvarnished sayings of Jesus. Not much narration, not much commentary from disciples, no scribes, Pharisees, or locusts, or Roman centurions to get in our way. It's essentially a Jesus Upanishad, a book of the Proverbs of Wisdom, the sayings of Jesus. That's what the Gospel of Thomas is. So if you wanted to rename the book, you could call it the book of the sayings of Jesus. That would be more accurate. That's what the Gospel of Thomas is, a sayings gospel. Now, one of the most significant parts of the Gospel of Thomas saga is one that most people don't seem to notice or talk about. Some of those sayings unique to the Gospel of Thomas actually do turn up in other sources too. In other words, there are sayings attributed to Jesus that are in the Gospel of Thomas that are not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but also have been quoted by early church fathers in other gospels, other apocryphal writings or epistles or sermons, in the writings of early church fathers as well. Now, a couple of Greek manuscripts of the Gospel of Thomas were discovered earlier, back in the 19th century, at a place called Oxyrhynchus, Egypt. So some of the Gospel of Thomas in Greek has also been preserved. Sayings attributed to Jesus found in the Gospel of Thomas have also turned up, also have parallels in the Gospel of the Hebrews, the Gospel of the Egyptians, the second letter of Clement, the Testament of our Lord, a Syriac Gospel, the Testament of Our Lord in Galilee, a book with a similar name but a separate, a very different gospel. Syriac mystics and saints also have quoted sayings we find attributed to Jesus in the Gospel of Thomas, including Saint Macarius of Syria, Clement of Alexandria, Origen of Alexandria, and there are a couple of sayings found in the Gospel of Thomas that are quoted in the writings of St. Augustine. And the appearance of these sayings in the writings of early Christianity is one of the most interesting mysteries of the Gospel of Thomas. A mystery that others don't seem to mention or notice, but I am very happy to point this out, as it suggests that there really was another collection of the sayings of Jesus in circulation during the early centuries A.D., these sayings were very real and widely read by some all over the Roman Empire, North Africa, to Mesopotamia. And that all of these sayings of Jesus, oddly enough, didn't get included in the New Testament that we have today. Sayings of Jesus that are not found in the New Testament but are found in other writings. That's pretty amazing. In the Ethiopian Bible is preserved a Jewish apocryphal text that reminds me of a near-death experience, an NDE. It's from the Ascension of Isaiah. And this angel said to me, Isaiah, I set you free, for you have seen what no mortal man has ever seen before. Yet you must return to your garments of flesh until your days are completed. Then you will come up here again. Unquote Isaiah, the ascension of Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 34. Sounds a lot like one of those near-death experiences where the person is told they have more work to do in the world and are sent back. Sounds a lot like that. Found in, a, in an apocryphal text, the ascension of Isaiah. You have seen what no mortal man has ever seen before. Jesus, or Yeshua, is described in the Gospel of Q, quoted by Matthew and Luke, in the same sort of way. There are things that are being seen for the first time that many people have wanted to see. There are things that people wanted to hear but couldn't hear until now. How privileged 
are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I swear to you, many prophets and righteous ones have longed to see what you see and didn't see it and to hear what you hear and didn't hear, unquote. That's from Matthew 13, verses 16 and 17. Also attributed to a document known as Q for the German word Quella, which means source, a source gospel that Matthew had, that Luke had, that Mark had, featuring a collection of sayings of Jesus. And they would quote the same sayings. There's a lot of overlap between the gospels, as if they had possession of some document. Now, Thomas also had that same document. There's a lot of overlap between Thomas and Q as well. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Thomas share some of the same material, some of the same sayings. But as I mentioned, there are some sayings of Jesus in Thomas that are not found in the gospel. Sayings that also are attributed to Jesus in other early Christian writings. The mystery of saying 17 of the gospel of Thomas, what the eye has not seen and what the ear has not heard. One of the most mysterious verses of the Gospel of Thomas is saying 17, what your own eyes cannot see, your human ears do not hear, your physical hands cannot touch, and what is inconceivable to the human mind, that I will give to you. That's the Lynn Bauman translation of saying 17 of the Gospel of Thomas in her book, The Gospel of Thomas, Wisdom of the Twin. A very nice translation of the Gospel of Thomas. Initiation into the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Seeing new things, hearing in a new way. This is a prayer that begins a quote from Dionysus, a Syriac spiritual classic, a book called Mystical Theology. Guide us to that topmost height of mystic lore which exceeds light and more than exceeds knowledge where the simple, absolute, and unchangeable mysteries of heavenly truth lie hidden in the dazzling obscurity of the secret silence, outshining all brilliance with the intensity of their darkness and supercharging our blinded intellects with the utterly impalpable and invisible fairness of glories which exceed all beauty. Such be my prayer, and you, dear Timothy, I counsel that, in the earnest exercise of mystic contemplation, you leave the senses and the activities of the intellect and all things that the senses or the intellect can perceive, and all things in this world of nothingness, or in that world of being, and that your understanding being laid to rest, thou strain so far as thou mayest, towards a union with him whom neither being nor understanding can contain. For by the unceasing and absolute renunciation of thyself and all things, thou shalt in pureness cast all things aside and be released from all, and so shalt be led upwards to the ray of that divine darkness which exceeds all existence. These things you must not disclose to any of the uninitiated, by whom I mean those who cling to the objects of human thought and imagine there is no super-essential reality beyond, and fancy that they know by human understanding him that has made the darkness his secret place. And if the divine initiation is beyond such men as these, what can be said of others yet more incapable thereof, who describe the transcendent cause of all things, 
by qualities drawn from the lowest order of being." Unquote. Dionysus from Mystical Theology, a great spiritual classic of the Syriac Aramaic tradition of Christian mysticism, showing that in the early centuries AD, the word initiation was part of the, vo the vocabulary and that the kingdom of the heavens is described as something beyond this physical world and beyond human understanding, beyond what the eye typically sees, beyond what the human ear can hear, the range of hearing of the material ear, beyond what human hands can touch, inconceivable to the human mind. Initiation into the mysteries of the kingdom of the heavens. Gospel of Thomas saying 17, Jesus says, I will give you what the eye has never seen and what the ear has never heard and what the hand has never touched and what has never entered into the heart of man. The Apostle Paul quotes this saying as well in 1 Corinthians 2.9. As it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. This is a saying of Jesus not found in the New Testament Gospels, but is preserved in the Gospel of Thomas, and it was also quoted by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.9. In a chapter where Paul is talking about wisdom Christians, probably not a coincidence, he happens to quote the Gospel of Thomas in that particular chapter. Thomas was a favorite book of those interested in contemplating sayings of wisdom. Contemplating sayings of wisdom. Thomas is a wisdom gospel. I've always associated this saying, I will give you what no eye has seen and what no ear has heard, with the concept of initiation by a living teacher into the mysteries of the kingdom of the heavens. And sure enough, not long ago, I was reading a couple of Syriac Gospels, and one of them actually talks about initiation just before it quotes the very same saying about I will give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard. So I want to share with you that passage and other scriptures where parallels of saying 17 have made their appearance. There are many other old writings that quote this axiom of wisdom about what the eye has not seen, what the ear has not heard, including the Apostle Paul, as we just saw where he says, it is written. Other gospel texts, eventually the Koran, Mandaean scriptures, apocryphal writings, other gospels, Manichaean scriptures, and this saying of wisdom, this axiom of wisdom about seeing and hearing worked its way further to the east and turn up eventually in the writings of Guru Nanak, Kabir, and others, even in a Buddhist sutra. The following is from the Testament of Our Lord, translated into English from the Syriac, another gospel of early Christianity. He gave thanks to the Father, saying, I give thanks to you, O my Father, not with these lips which are fixed together, nor yet with the corporeal tongue through which truth and lying go out nor with this created and material word. But I give thanks to you, the Sovereign, with that voice, which through you understands all things, which comes not by a bodily organ, which falls not on carnal ears, which is not in the world and is not left on earth. But with this voice, the Spirit who is in us, only speaking to you, O Father, loving you, praising you, 
through whom also the whole choir of perfect saints calls you beloved, calls you father, calls you sustainer, calls you helper. For you are all, and all are in you. For whatever is, is yours, and not another's, but is yours alone, who exist forever and ever. Amen. Let the shepherd know the mysteries of all nature. After I have prayed to the Father, as you know and see, I am taken up, says Jesus. Therefore it is right that the shepherd should speak the teaching of the initiation into the mysteries, so that they may know of whom in the holy things they are partaking. And at the end, after this, let him say thus, as then, we also have taken refuge in him, and have learnt that it is in him alone to give. Let us beg from him those things which he said that he would give us, which the eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, and which have not entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. A fascinating reading from a text, an early Christian gospel written in the Syriac Aramaic language called the Testament of Our Lord. Once again on this theme that human understanding is limited, the mind is limited, seeing and hearing cannot grasp that which is beyond in the spiritual realms. But it is possible to receive the gift of seeing in a new way, to hear in another kind of way, a spiritual hearing, to enter into the divine realm, the kingdom of the heavens. And the word initiation turns up here, initiation into the mysteries, so that they may know of whom the holy things they are partaking. An initiation. As it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. A saying attributed to Jesus in these sources as well. This is from another book, not the Testament of our Lord, but from the Testament of the Lord in Galilee, another early gospel. It says, His power will be given to them which no eye has seen, nor ear heard, and they will rejoice in my kingdom. A saying attributed to Jesus in the apocryphal testament of the Lord in Galilee. This comes from the apocryphal gospel of John and is also attributed to Jesus. The rest of you shall inherit the kingdom of heaven whose delights no ear has heard described, which no eye has seen, and which has not appeared in the human heart." Unquote. Another translation of the Gospel of Thomas. What your own eyes cannot see, your human ears do not hear, your physical hands cannot touch, and what is inconceivable to the human mind, that I will give you, says Jesus, Gospel of Thomas, saying 17. To me, this portrays Jesus as a living spiritual master offering an initiation to his students, imparting to them techniques whereby they may be able to develop spiritual seeing and transcendental hearing in order to explore the present tense kingdom of the heavens, an unseen present tense kingdom of God that's available right now in the living present, not a future hypothetical kingdom up in the sky. The version of saying 17 is quoted by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the same chapter where Paul, as I mentioned, is battling with a competing faction in early Christianity referred to by some as the Wisdom Christians. 
Probably the quotation of this rather Thomasonian passage by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is not a coincidence, as the Gospel of Thomas is a wisdom gospel, a collection of the sayings of Jesus to be contemplated. A collection of sayings which actually begins by saying, whoever discovers the interpretation of these sayings will not taste death. It's as if the intent of the compilers of the Gospel of Thomas is to have people contemplate the meaning of each saying, Lexio Divina, and this will lead to new understandings or revelations. In his letter or epistle, Paul said, it is written, but in his quote, he doesn't say where it is written, and he doesn't attribute the quote directly to Jesus. And yet, as we've seen, this quote is definitely a saying attributed to Jesus in many early Christian writings. Various versions of this axiom of, of wisdom about what the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard eventually turned up in many other scriptures of the East and West as well. This is from the Manichaean scriptures of Central Asia. That I may redeem you from death and annihilation, I will give you what you have not seen with the eye, nor heard with the ears, nor grasped with the hand. A quote found in something called the Turfan Fragments. Translated in the book Gnosis on the Silk Road, some samples of some Manichaean texts, allied with Manichaeanism founded by the prophet Mani. The 10th century Persian Sufi master Jalani quotes an interesting passage from the Quran in a Sufi discourse called Concerning the Affirmation of Divine Oneness. It quotes the Quran as saying, I have prepared for my righteous servants that which no eye has ever seen, of which no ear has ever heard, and of which has never occurred to the heart of man. A prayer from the Sabaeans, another people of the book, a group of baptizers, those affiliated with the John the Baptist movement once upon a time that moved to Iraq and Iran to be near Jordan-like rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates, where they continued the practice of baptizing people by immersion in flowing or living waters. This is from the canonical prayer book of the Mandaeans written in a dialect of the Aramaic language called Mandaic. Thou hast showed us that which the eye has not seen, and caused us to hear that which the human ear has not heard. Thou hast freed us from death and united us with life, released us from darkness and united us with light. Thou hast shown us that which the eye has not seen, and caused us to hear that which the human ear has not heard. The Divine Eye According to the Buddha from a translation of Buddhist sutras, the middle-length discourses of the Buddha. The Divine Eye According to the Buddha. With the Divine Eye which is purified and surpasses the human, a monk surveys a thousand worlds. Just as a man with good sight, when he has ascended to the upper palace chamber, might survey a thousand wheel rims, so too with the divine eye, which is purified and surpasses the human, a monk surveys a thousand worlds." Unquote. The divine ear, according to the Buddha, I have proclaimed to my disciples the way whereby with the divine ear element which is purified and surpasses the human, they hear both kinds of sounds, the divine and the human, those that are far as well as near. Just as a vigorous trumpeter might make himself heard without difficulty in the four quarters, so too I have proclaimed to my disciples the way whereby with the divine ear element 
far as well as near. And thereby many disciples of mine abide, having reached the consummation and perfection of direct knowledge." Unquote. One can hear earthly sounds, but one can also hear divine sounds with the divine ear, the transcendental hearing described in the middle-length discourses of the Buddha. Also in the Sringama Sutra of the Buddha, you'll find much more about transcendental hearing. India, Guru Nanak once said, we speak without tongue, we see without eyes, we hear without ears, we walk without feet, and we work without hands. Kabir said, may I see you with my eyes, hear your sound with mine ears, with my own ears, speak your name in my own words, O Lord, and rest your flower-like feet upon my heart. Some mystic verses of Kabir present in Songs of Kabir from the Adi Granth. Translated by Nirmal Das, published by Sunni Press of New York. Kabir quoted in the Sikh scriptures or Adi Granth. May I see with my eyes, hear your sound with my own ears, speak your name in my own words, O Lord and rest your flower-like feet upon my heart. Master Kripal Singh said, We are in physical bodies. We are conscious entities. We are so much tied up with the mind and matter that we cannot differentiate ourselves. We have, we have to leave the physical, transcend the astral, go further beyond the causal, supercausal, and reach the true home of our Father. That is the true destination for each one of us. This single or third eye provides an ingress into the spiritual worlds, the kingdom of God, now a lost realm to most of us. Of this inlet or ingress, little is known by the people at large. Also a quote from Kripal Singh. In the center behind and above the eyes, there is an aperture. On this side of it is the material world in which we are living now. And on the other side is the astral world. A quote from Hazur Baba Sawan Singh. To have inner experiences of godly light and sound is no small thing. And really only the fortunate few blessed from above receive them also from Kripal Singh. Matthew 6.22 If your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. And that verse has a parallel in the Gospel of Thomas. Here it is in two separate translations. If one is whole, one will be filled with light. But if one is divided, one will be filled with darkness. And the second translation, when a person finds himself solitary, he'll be full of light. But when he finds himself divided, he will be full of darkness. Two different translations of Gospel of Thomas saying 61. If your eye be single, your whole body will be full of light. That's something expanded upon by a Syriac Christian mystic by the name of Joseph the Visionary, quoted in a book called The Syriac Fathers on Prayer and the Spiritual Life, translated from the Syriac Aramaic by Professor Sebastian Brock. Expanded upon, expanding upon this idea of singleness of vision leading to light. 
Joseph the visionary. Thus, as a result of recollecting all of these things, the impulses of the mind are extended from the sphere of material things towards those impulses which are without limit. That is to say, wonder at the new world. And the faculty of vision which belongs to contemplation of God. For when the vision of the mind is mingled with the light, all its impulses become infinite. For none of the visionaries or Gnostics is able to distinguish the identity of the mind as a result of the vision of that glorious light that is seen. For all the innermost chambers of the heart are filled by that blessed light. A passage from Joseph the Visionary expanding upon this idea of singleness of vision, a new kind of spiritual vision that leads to experiencing the inner light. from the book Morning Talks by Kripal Singh and is titled The Single Eye or The Third Eye. Everyone has got two eyes which are open in the face. They have been working ever since birth. All through life we have been working at the level of the two eyes. About 80% of all impressions that are received from outside come through the eyes. Those who work only at the level of the two eyes receive either good impressions or bad impressions. Good impressions will react as good actions. Bad impressions will result in bad actions. The very impressions that are embedded in our heart will overflow. This is a very superficial life that we are living. The masters tell us that there is also another eye, called variously the third eye, the single eye, or the Shivnetra. Unless you open that third eye, which can be opened only while in the man body, the human body, you are nowhere. It is the eye of the soul, not of the intellect, nor the outgoing faculties. We are ensouled bodies, conscious entities working through mind and outgoing faculties. That inner eye is opened when our soul, the outward expression of which is called attention, is withdrawn to the seat of the soul in the body, which is at the back of the two eyes. The attention is now working at the level of the eyes through the mind and outgoing faculties. We are identified with the body and we have forgotten ourselves. Unless that very attention is withdrawn from outside and just extricated above the outgoing faculties which end up at the level of the eyes, we cannot know who we truly are. At the time of death, you come up to this point. Therefore, it is said that those who are initiated into the mysteries of the beyond, their soul has the same experience of leaving the body and the outgoing faculties as it has at the time of death. That eye opens when the attention is withdrawn from outside and then dragged up from the level of the outgoing faculties to the seat of the soul in the body, which is at the back of the two eyes. That is the place where man leaves the body at the time of death. Kabir said, just direct your attention to the seat above the outgoing faculties. Unquote. When your attention reaches that point, your inner eye opens. This has now been explained to you very clearly. If you can do it yourself well and good, 
If not, then seek the help of somebody who is competent to do it for you. Outward sadhana or spiritual practice, meditation practice of japa and mantras and outward performances at the level of the outgoing faculties, anyone can preach with little effort. It is a fact, I would say, of withdrawing the attention from outside and dragging it above the eye level of the outgoing faculties, whereby the inner eye is opened. This eye is open to see the God into expression power, which is light and sound principle. To give you one illustration, when a hen sits over an egg, she produces heat within herself. This heat is conveyed to the egg, and within the egg the chicken is born. But the chicken is all hemmed in by the outer coverings of the shell. So the hen says, look here, child, there is a very big sun outside, and there are fields. The child says, mother, it might be so, but I am in all darkness. What does the hen do? She gently taps on the shell with her beak until the egg bursts and the chicken is freed. If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Just pausing here, you know, that birth of the chicken entering into this world of light, you know, the the veil tears and or the shell cracks in this case, and uh, the baby chick is born into a new world. I am reminded of the birth canal, the journey through the birth canal, which opens up into this physical world. You know, it's a tunnel leading toward the light. And then the newborn child is born. Death is described in that same sort of way, a tunnel which leads to the light. And through that light, the soul is born, born from above into another realm, another world. If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Kripal Singh, you know what that means? It is a demonstration, a proof that when the third eye opens, you see the light of God within you. To give another illustration, suppose there are 100 stairs in a house and a man climbs 30, 40, 50 stairs, 60 stairs, but still he does not see any light. As he gets near the roof, as he gets near to the roof, he sees flashes of light. When he gets to the top of the roof, he sees light. This is only a first step to show you when the third eye is opened. This we can do only in the man body, in the human form, which we have got with the grace of God. When rain comes in torrents, it floods the whole world. Similarly, when the true master comes, he brings with him the water of life. I use the word true as there are many masters, quote-unquote, flooding the world. They simply give you something at the level of the outgoing faculties. Their third eye is not opened, and they cannot open the third, third eye of others. They cannot open the third eye of others. The greatness of a true master lies in the fact that he has opened his inner eye and can also make others see. Our master used to say, well, what's the use of giving the five names, five mantras, or any outward thing? The outward methods of performing a ritual anybody can do with little training, but rising above body consciousness and opening the single eye, only a competent one can do. He will give you a sitting, and after that you will see some light. The more accurately you follow his instructions, the more light you will see. Even a blind man has got the third eye. On my first tour to the West in 1955, I went to Los Angeles. During the meditation hour in the morning, a blind doctor was there, and he was given a sitting, and he saw light. Masters give the eye to the blind man. In the eyes of the masters, we are all blind. They see that our third eye is not open. Kabir said, I see all are blind. Who is not blind? He who sees the light of God within him whose third eye is open. You follow me now exactly what I mean to say? 
When masters come, they flood the world. Their rays pour down in torrents, and the whole world is flooded with the water of life. Kabir said, There is a flood of the water of life given out by the masters. People may take away as much as they like." Unquote. When you leave the body at the time of death, you will simply repent. You should die while alive. And this can only be done in the man body, in the human form, and at the feet of a competent master whose inner eye is opened and, and who can open the eye of others. Even the blind man has got the third eye. Those who do not see light outside see light within when their eye has been opened. This eye is opened only when you rise above body consciousness. This is to be born anew. Except you be born anew, you cannot enter the kingdom of God." Unquote. Learn to die so that you may begin to live. At the time of death, your soul will be withdrawn from outside and from the outgoing faculties. It will come up to the seat of the soul at the back of the eyes. If this process is done while living, your inner eye is open to see the light beyond. All glory lies within you. So when the masters come, there is a flood of spirituality in the world. This is a high time to take away as much as you can. This is the true wealth you can gather while in the man body. All other wealth is left here along with the body. We are fortunate to have the man body. It is because in the man body only can we open that eye. When your eye is opened, you enjoy the beyond while still living. You should graduate while you are here then you remain the same graduate after leaving the body. If you are unlearned now, how can you become a graduate after leaving the body? Our master always used to say, who becomes a learned man while in life remains learned even after leaving the body. Those who are illiterate here, how can they become educated afterwards? You follow now why so much praise is given to the master not to the so-called masters, the world is flooded with them. If thine own eyes are not opened, they cannot open the eyes of others. If their own eyes, rather, are not opened, they cannot open the eyes of others. To go on in your present condition won't do. You will remain all along at the level of the eyes or at the level of the outgoing faculties. So if you can rise above yourself, well and good. What more is required? If not, you can have the help of somebody whose eye is open and who gives you something to start with, some capital to see the light of God. When masters come, they speak in their own language, but they say the same things. The whole world is at the level of feelings and emotions or drawing inferences at the level of the intellect. They have not seen so feelings, emotions, and drawing inferences are all subject to error. Seeing is above all. Those who have seen say the same thing. That is why it is said, listen to the words of the master. He says what he sees, and he is competent to make others see. Books cannot explain these very few words, which are very simple, quite to the point, and at a common sense level. Our inner eye is closed, but it is there and can be opened while in the man body, in the human form. Why can't we open it ourselves? Because our soul combined with mind has become a jiva, a captive soul. And by outward expressions through the outgoing faculties, it has become identified with the body and the world outside, so much so that it has forgotten its true nature. If it continues for years and years, all methods of outward worship and uses them for meditation at the level of the outgoing faculties or at the level of the eyes, it cannot go up. If it can go up by its own efforts, well and good. Otherwise, it should take the help of somebody whose inner eye is open and who is competent to open 
the inner eye of others. That is a reading from the book Morning Talks, a chapter titled The Single Eye or Third Eye by Kripal Singh. The following is from the initiation section, excerpted from Kripal Singh's book Spiritual Elixir. Some Q&A. Question. Define initiation. Answer. Initiation is a specific term. It means introducing a person to the principles or tenets of some science. It is not a mere formal explaining of the subject orally. It has a deeper meaning, too. The term carries with it the idea of adopting a person into the life and spirit of what is explained. Thus, initiation has a twofold aspect, theoretical and practical. First comes a clear understanding of the true import of the science taught, and then a practical demonstration of the truths thus described. In the terminology of the saints, it means actually imparting the life impulse by a master saint, for nothing short of it counts in the science of the soul or spirit, which is a life principle. Question, what are the essential prerequisites for initiation? Kripal Singh, an intense longing to meet the Lord during one's life is the first and foremost qualification for initiation. Seek and you shall find is the law. Next comes strict observance of dietary regulations by eliminating all preparations containing meat, fish, fowl, eggs, both fertile and infertile, and all alcoholic intoxicants and stimulants. Last, but by no means least, is life of righteousness, right thinking, right speech, and right action. Chastity, which constitutes stepping stones on the way to spirituality. Every saint has a past and every sinner a future. This is what the masters proclaim. One has to outlive and forget one's past, whatever it be, and assiduously pray and strive for an adept who can lead him Godwards. Why is initiation considered very necessary for inner spiritual progress? Kirpal Singh Do we not need a teacher for learning all empirical sciences, engineering, medicine, technology, industry, and agriculture? The science spiritual is highly obtuse, a highly obtuse subject dealing with the world beyond. Paul saying, the sense organs, the senses, the mind, and the intellect do not and cannot cognize it. For all these limiting adjuncts fail to measure and grasp the limitless. Here the soul is to be disenfranchised of all that is personal and has to cast off the mask of terrestrial personality or persona and become pure soul before it can experience the truth which has no form or shape. It is more of a practical subject than anything else. And for this one has to pass through a process of self-analysis and self-transcendence by gradual inversion and withdrawal of the sensory currents from the body. In order to completely understand and to successfully practice a supersensory subject, unwritten and unspoken, one has of necessity to seek the aid of an adept, fully conversant with both the theory and the practice of paravidya or spiritual knowledge, and competent enough to disengage the human soul from the human frame and to transhumanize the human in man 
and lead him to the Mount of Transfiguration to see the reality face to face. Again, the inner spiritual planes are so bewitching, bewildering, and so vast and full of diverse temptations that one cannot, without the active aid of the Master, traverse them. Question, is initiation conveyed through an authorized representative of the Master valid for all purposes? Kirpal Singh, yes, the instructions of initiation imparted through a duly authorized representative of the Master are valid for all purposes. The testing criterion is to have a first-hand inner experience of the divine light of God and the audible life stream at the time of initiation. These are the two astral forms of the master power. And if one gets to them by personal experience of rising above body consciousness, there can be no doubt about its validity and efficacy. Some Q&A from the initiation chapter of the book, Spiritual Elixir by Kripal Singh. Initiation into Surat Shabad Yoga, Inner Light and Sound Meditation by a Living Master, a Sant Sat Guru. The Master said to his students, What your own eyes cannot see, your human ears do not hear, your physical hands cannot touch, and that which is inconceivable to the human mind, that I will give you. A saying from Jesus or Yeshua. Saying 17 of the Gospel of Thomas, one of the books of the Nag Hammadi Library, one of the Gnostic Gospels or lost books of the Bible. A contemplative gospel for mystics that we very much relate to in Santmat and see much wisdom about exploring the kingdom of the heavens within in its pages. In the Sant tradition, the path of the masters, the complete methods and secrets of initiation into the meditation practice are communicated at the time of initiation. The Hindi word is diksha. At the time of initiation or diksha by a living master, a Sant Sat Guru, competent, qualified teacher or representative of a master, not a past saint, not a holy book, not some theory, not a cuneiform tablet or old scroll. Those will not help you. What's needed is a living teacher, a living guide, so you become a living student. A living teacher being fully acquainted with the landscape of inner space is able to impart to initiate candidates valuable guidance on how to safely make the journey of ascension to the inner regions during meditation practice within. This kind of spiritual transmission and the details of Surat Shabad Yoga practice, inner light and sound meditation, are not found in books, not found in old scriptures of the past, and are not for sale, but are given freely to seekers by a living teacher. At the time of initiation, one vows to practice meditation each and every day. The spiritual path is a lifelong commitment The following is called the goal of Sant Mat, spirituality and meditation, our path back to the source, the inward journey back to God. Sant Mat, the path and teachings as taught and practiced by saints or Sant Sat Gurus, delineates the path of union of soul with God. The teachings of the saints explain the reuniting as follows. Swami Sant Saviji, The individual soul has descended from the higher worlds, the realms of the divine, to this city of illusion, bodily existence. It has descended from the soundless state to the essence of sound, from that sound to light and finally from the realm of light to the realm of darkness. The qualities, dharmas, or natural tendencies of the sense organs draw us downward and away from our true nature. The nature of the soul, or Atman, 
draws us upwards and inwards and establishes us in our own true nature. Returning to our origins involves turning inward, withdrawal of consciousness from the senses and the sense objects in order to go up from the darkness to the realms of light and sound. The natural tendencies of the soul or Atman are to move from outward to inward. The current of consciousness which is dispersed in the nine gates of the body and the senses must be collected at the tenth gate. The tenth gate is the gathering point of consciousness. Therein lies the path of our return. The tenth gate is also known as the sixth chakra, the third eye, bindu point, the center located between the two eyebrows. This is the gateway through which we leave the gates of the sense organs and enter in the divine realms and finally become established in the soul. We travel back from the realm of darkness to the realm of light, from the light to the divine sound, and from the realm of sound to the soundless state. This is called turning back to the source. This is what Dharma or religion really intends to teach us. This is the essence of Dharma. A reading from Swami Santseviji Maharaj from his spiritual classic, Harmony of All Religions. listening to this podcast by way of YouTube, scroll down to the notes section below. You'll see a link to an earlier podcast, an earlier program I did on this same subject, a program titled Seven Essential Ingredients of a Living Spiritual Path, Seven Gnostic Sant Mat Parallels. That program touches upon the same subject of initiation and the meditation practice and describes a living spiritual path. I will give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no hand has touched, and what has never occurred to the human mind. A saying attributed to Jesus in the Gospel of Thomas and other early Christian writings, a saying quoted by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.9 as well, a saying which is a great description of the concept of a living teacher initiating a soul or a group of souls into the mysteries of the kingdom of the heavens. Also in the notes section below, you'll see a link to my article, The Mystery of Saying 17 of the Gospel of Thomas, What the Eye Has Not Seen and the Ear Has Not Heard. My name is James Bean. Thanks for joining me for this very lengthy edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio, today exploring the Gospel of Thomas, the latest research and reflections about the meaning of the Gospel of Thomas and this other tradition of the sayings of Jesus, focusing upon saying 17 and initiation, becoming an initiate of the mysteries, having one's third eye open to see the inner light and to hear the inner sound and begin one's own personal direct exploration of the kingdom of the heavens, here and now, seeing for oneself, hearing for one's self during this life, dying while living, 
entering into the kingdom of the heavens, being still and knowing that God is God. To visit my website, go to this address, spiritualawakeningradio.com. At my website, there is a donate button. Thanks to all that in the past or currently donate and help keep this project on the air as a radio program, as a podcast, and all of the other activities that take place on radio and the World Wide Web. This spiritual mission, this spiritual awakening project. If you'd like to say hello, if you'd like to correspond, my email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. James at spiritualawakeningradio.com. At my website, you'll also find buttons uh, that take you to uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all of the other sites, Libsyn, where you can download this podcast anytime you like. It's now on all of the podcasts, available through all of the podcast venues, as well as YouTube. It's great to be here. It's great to be doing this and sharing the mysteries of the kingdom of the heavens and the path of the masters. Thanks for tuning in. Join me again next week at the same time for another edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio. Mm-hmm.